My name is Alicia Bales, and we are here this morning with our morning public affairs show, Ordinarily Byline Mendocino. But we have a midterm election coming up on November 8th with a whole lot of important local races on the ballot. Today, we're going to spend the hour talking about the Mendocino Coast Healthcare District Board election. We've got four candidates for three seats in that election. Uh, I hope this hour will give listeners a better understanding of healthcare issues facing our coast residents in Mendocino County and what all of it or any of it has to do with your vote in the Mendocino Coast Healthcare District Board election. So the Coast Healthcare District spans from Westport to Elk. Only residents who live in this district are eligible to vote in the race. But of course, what happens in this race affects the whole community. So the Mendocino Coast Healthcare District formed in the early 1970s to build the Mendocino Coast Hospital in Fort Bragg, recently entered into an agreement to lease this hospital to Adventist Health after voters approved the affiliation in a local ballot measure, Measure C, with 91% of the vote in March of 2020. As I said, there are three seats up for election with four candidates running. We have all four of those candidates here with us today. The incumbent, John Redding, is the treasurer of the Coast Healthcare District, and he manages the finances on a day-to-day basis. The challengers are Susan Savage, a retired teacher and advocate, Lee Finney, retired social worker, and Jade Tippett, teacher and retired EMT. I also want to note that on the ballot is also Dr. Don Marie Risley-Childs, She appears on the ballot, but she's withdrawn from the race. So these are the four active uh, eligible candidates. So for this morning's format, I'll start by asking a couple of questions myself. The candidates will have two minutes to respond, alternating who goes first. Then around 920, I'm going to open up the phone lines for questions from listeners. And the number here in the studio is 707-895-895. 2448. That's 707-895-2448. Coast District residents and voters are encouraged to call, but anyone can call and ask a question. Uh, Listener questions will be limited to 60 seconds, so please have your questions prepared. Avoid making lengthy comments and ad hominem personal attacks will be cut off. Questions can also be sent via email. You can send us questions here at dj at kzyx.org and we will get those. Um, If we have time, we will read those. At 9.50, we'll close the phone lines and hear closing statements from each candidate of one minute each. And I want to remind you, Election Day is this Tuesday, November 8th. So fill out your ballots and return them via mail, county ballot drop box or in person to the elections office by 8 p.m. Tuesday evening. And you can listen back to any of our KZYX election coverage at kzyx.org. Look for the elections page or subscribe to the KZYX Public Affairs Podcast, where you can also find today's program. So let's start. Welcome to you all. Thank you for being here this this early morning. I guess it's not that early, but the drive. You have to get up early to make it to Philo. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. So, um... I don't know. Should we just go alphabetically to start? Sure. Okay. So who would that be? <laughs> that would be me. Okay. <laughs> so we'll we'll start with Lee Finney, um, and then we'll go alphabetically from there. So the first question for all the candidates. Um, just can you start by explaining to listeners what the Mendocino Health County Health Care District, Mendocino Coast Health Care District is, what it does, and why it matters? 
Okay, I'll try to do that. Uh, the Mendocino Coast Healthcare District is a special district, um, uh, like many other special districts for fire and healthcare and and so forth. It managed the hospital for many years and owned the hospital, and still owns the property that the hospital is on, and and some surrounding property. Um, Currently, the district is is the is the landlord for Adventist Health, due to a, a lease agreement, a long term lease agreement that has several sort of opt out periods possible. Um, we don't actually manage medical care anymore. Um, uh, we was a little presumptive there, excuse me, but um, we uh, the um, healthcare district um, biggest challenge coming up is whether or not to retrofit the current hospital in order to meet the state seismic requirements to be done by 2030 or to try to um, arrange to build a new hospital. Um, and there's that's a very serious heavy lift if we were trying to do that. And um, that is that is one of the reasons that I'm running is because I do care about the sustainability of, of quality health care on the coast. And um, I want to be part of, an, of a transparent process to, to reset the current board towards a successful future of, uh, for the hospital. All right. Thank you very much. Let's go to John Redding. Um, why, what is the Mendocino Coast Healthcare District? What does it do and why does it matter? You're on mute. Forgive, forgive me, there I am. Well, look, simply put, the purpose of the district is to ensure continuity of health care on the coast. And that's not an, an easy task by any means. To meet this goal, it has uh, what I would say are four important ongoing roles. First one is the, the, uh, the district, the board, has to fulfill the obligations in the lease agreement. And, of course, to make sure that Adventist Health does the same. There's payments that have to be made in both directions. The second is to manage the taxpayers' money. Um, that's also pretty important to pay off the long-term debt that the uh, district has is uh, probably the most important. But there's also tax revenues that have to be accounted for and managed. The third is um, to finance and build a new hospital retrofit the current one. And really, I think the district is the only entity that's capable of doing this, and that's why the district matters. And then, fourth of all, um, is to represent the community with Adventist Health. This is why it matters. The board answers directly to the, the public. Adventist Health has a community board that's private, not open to the public. Um, so what the, the board does is still represent the community. Now, there's been a lot of talk about dissolving the district and turning its property, land, cash, and tax revenues over the Board of Supervisors. This would be done without a vote of the people. And this option should not even be on the table. Um, but Democrats Ted Williams and Bernie Norvello stated their support for looking into the possibility. So if you can translate political speech, that means they support the idea, and I'm totally opposed to it. Um, so that's the goal, ensure continuity of health care on the coast. All right. Thank you very much. And Susan Savage. Okay. Well, um, I 
think from reading the agreement and the original um, language of the charter, the healthcare district um, was formed with a pretty broad mandate um, to promote high quality health care. And the hospital is definitely a big, big part of that. I know I came here in 2002, and this is a very magic place that I intend to be my home for the rest of my life. But the hospital is key to me being able to do that. And I know a lot of people along the coast feel the same. Um, that in order to do that, we do need to, as Lee said, um, we need to look carefully at the decisions and choices and managing the funds available um, in order to retrofit the hospital and be in compliance by 2030 or explore options to see what's feasible in terms of a new facility. But I think that's a really important conversation that all of the stakeholders and members of the community need to be a part of that to determine what it is that we need, what are the resources that we have, and how do we work together to make it happen so that that hospital is an effective part of all of our health care plans. I know that I have spent a professional lifetime um, working to help people to make plans for how they reach a goal that they have jointly set to figure out how do we implement that plan and to continually evaluate how we're doing toward that plan. Um, I am a detail-oriented organizer with a long track record of being successful with working with very diverse groups. And I think that's exactly the kind of conversation that's going to be needed um, in order to move forward. Um, and I'm looking forward to the opportunity. All right. Thank you very much. And Jade Tippett. I'm going to start this conversation off with the words that I used the first time I spoke to the hospital board back in March of 2017. And what I said then was that the Mendocino Coast is a geographic island. We might as well be 20 miles off the coast with a causeway called Highway 20. There is two on-the-ground ways in and out, Highway 20, Highway 128, when it's not flooded and maybe the Branscombe Road if you want to go the real long way, and then there's air, weather permitting. So a hospital on the coast is absolutely essential. And we've heard from the other candidates. Um, I do believe at this point both Bernie Dorvell and Ted Williams have backed away from the idea of disbanding the district. I know Susan and myself and Lee are firmly against disbanding the district. We recognize that the district is an essential piece of addressing the 2030 deadline for seismic retrofit one way or the other. So that allegation is a complete canard as far as I'm concerned. Um, my background in both teaching as an EM and as an EMT has taught me about the challenges of rural health care. And so the district with the broad mandate that the district has under the law, will not have control over the hospital, but will have the opportunities to expand health care on the coast in a number of different ways. And I think that's important to look at as we're moving forward. Thank you. 
All right. Thank you very much. That was Jade Tippett. So this is Alicia Bales, and this morning we're having a candidates forum for the Mendocino Coast Healthcare District Board race. There are four candidates running for three seats, uh, and we have all four of them here with us today. Lee Finney, John Redding, Susan Savage, and Jane Tippett. I will be opening the phone lines uh, in about... Mm, six or seven minutes for callers to call in and ask their questions encouraging of course voters in the district to call in but the phone lines will be open for anyone keep your questions to 60 seconds please and no personal attacks or campaigning just ask your question um i'm going to ask one more general question uh so that we can find out a little bit more about why this race matters and and what the issues are and we'll start with john redding and 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 go through in the same order uh could you please describe the challenges facing the the coast Healthcare district board and how you will address them if you're elected um why should voters vote for you you're on mute there you go there we go um well i think there's a couple of distinct challenges one is managing the day-to-day affairs of the district which is a challenge not to be taken lightly. The district has no staff. We've tried to recruit staff and haven't been successful. We can't attract a CFO, can't afford it. And at the moment, we don't even have a lawyer. So this is going to be a working board um, sweating out the details on a day-to-day basis. And that's one of the challenges. The second challenge is implementing the plan for a new hospital. Now, unfortunately, (laughs) The board that I am on, you know, when I defended them because I was on the team, but it's not possible any longer to do so. The two chairs of the board in the last two years have squandered those two years when we should have been working on the seismic challenge. So now there's no margin of error. In order to meet the 2030 deadline, um, we must have a bond measure on the ballot by March 3rd of 2024. And that's to find out if the public is willing pay for the um the debt's going to be incurred for a new or retrofitted hospital and prior to that the board needs to discuss the options with the public uh and its appetite for a new bond measure this january then we have to get qualified bids so we know what the cost is and that requires preparing a request for proposal soliciting bids and evaluating and we just got a couple months to do that we have to develop a plan to finance the hospital and discuss it with the public and prepare the ballot language by 2024. So how can I help? First, I provide continuity. I can help the new board get up to speed faster. As you can see, time is of the essence. Um, I bring a lot of institutional knowledge. I can manage the finances on a day-to-day basis, so um, it takes the burden off the others and we won't waste time and I think of a fruitless attempt to find a CFO. And I have uh, an MBA and a master's degree in engineering. I spent my life developing and building power plant projects. So I can um, bring uh, that financial skill to the hospital and I can direct engineering and construction of the uh, hospital. Thank you. Um, As treasurer of the Mendocino Coast, Healthcare District Board right now. Could you just very briefly tell us what the annual budget is of the of the board? We have two budgets. Um, one is a 
a district board budget that's a subset of the of the larger budget and that's 250,000 a year that has to be spent and that's all we got the lease agreement only gives us 250,000 and then on the bigger picture we have a budget where our revenues are about four and a half million a year from from the lease payment the property tax and the parcel tax and when we pay off all the long-term debt and after we pay the debts that's about three and a half million so we're saving about a million dollars a year all right uh, just interested in the the sort of sense of the size of that budget let's move on um to to susan savage the question is describe the challenges facing the board and how you will address them if you're elected why should voters vote for you okay um just to respond to something John just said, I think actually continuity with the existing board is part of the problem. I think the three of us, Lee, Jade, and myself, that the reason that we're running is to hopefully have a complete reset of this existing board, um, because I think probably the, one of the top challenges is the lack of public confidence and trust in the existing board and the district, in the quality of health care that they receive. We have a lot of people going to a lot of effort to get away from their own local resource because they don't trust it. And so we have a lot of work to do to build that public trust. And that all has to happen instantaneously along with, as we've mentioned, the issue of the retrofit um, and deciding what we need to do with our aging facility. But at the same time, um, the staffing crisis is huge. Um, we've talked to a number of people at the hospital and have um, heard stories about um, ongoing vacancies that they've had a really hard time attracting and retaining quality staff here to the hospital. And part of that um, difficulty is that people can't find a place to live in, in terms of dealing with the ongoing housing crisis as well. So I think um, part of the challenge is that we have four huge issues to take a look at one being the public trust in the board and in the district itself as we deal with the issue of the facility as we deal with how do we attract and retain staff and i think the board needs to be an effective um, responsible partner with all of the entities out there that are trying to figure out how do we make this a more livable place for people to be able to find a place to live and come and be a part of our community to help staff the hospital, however the facility turns out. All right, thank you. That's Susan Savage. Uh, Jade Tippett, what, does, what challenges face the board and how will you address them? Why should people vote for you? Well, Alicia, I'm going to start out Alicia, I'm going to start out with a little fact check on you, which is that John is no longer the treasurer of the board. John was forced to resign as treasurer of the board because the bookkeeper for the hospital fired their client because they could not work with John. He could not provide them with the information that they needed. And so, and I actually spoke up at the board meeting and said either John needs to get out of the way or the board needs to remove him. And John you know, thankfully, submitted a resignation. And so he's no longer the treasurer of the board. But I think this is really indicative of one of the biggest challenges that we have moving forward, which is the existing board had a, such a history of dysfunction that contributed to the um, what Susan Savage said about the confidence of the community in the district. So, and John may be right about the timeline, but 
to recover that community trust so that the community is willing to do what it needs to do. And the other piece of that, we're an island, is that folks on an island discover really, really quickly that they need to take care of each other, that you can't go it alone on an island. We need to come together to resolve these problems as a community. And so we really need a fresh start on the board, fresh faces all the way around as much as we can get so that we can move forward with the community and establish that confidence that's been so shattered by the existing board. All right. Thank you for that. I got that information from the ballot. So I appreciate that you uh, corrected that. Stuff moves quickly. It does. Um, also, John, I will give you a, a minute at the end to, to, mention, to respond. Um, but we'll go now to Lee Finney. The question is, describe the challenges facing the board uh, and how you'll address them if you're elected. Why should people vote for you? Okay, um, I certainly agree with everything that Jade and Susan has, have said. Um, the three of us know each other and have worked together and um, decided that we would all run in the, in the interest of a re complete reset of the very ineffective current board um, and uh, the whole business of trying to uh, gain community trust, I think, is a huge, huge uh, challenge that that we've talked about the the need to to demonstrate um, you know open process and trans financial transparency and our our willingness to get to work on getting to the the other big challenge which everybody has seems to agree on which is the retrofit or build a new hospital challenge um, the reason um, people should vote for me is because I have spent my entire adult life um, helping people make agreements months. I was a crisis intervention social worker and I was a professional labor negotiator representing public employers for many years. I've been on many boards. I've chaired boards. Um, I feel really comfortable that I can help bring back trust with the other stakeholders uh, in the healthcare foundation, with Adventist Health, um, uh, and with the community at large. All right. Thank you. That was Lee Finney. All right, John Redding, you were name-checked in the last answer, so I want to give you one minute to rebut. Uh, well, um, <laughs> that was a cheap shot um, to say that I was forced to resign. I, I chose to resign, and it wasn't just because I felt I'd lost the confidence of the other three board members, but because they had voted to approve giving Adventist Health $8 million without doing a second check on it, which I thought was wildly irresponsible. I have been a successful treasurer. Um, just ask Norman Duvall, my colleague on the board. Um, he said publicly that this next board would regret it if I was not on the board. And he's been highly complimentary of my work as treasurer, and he respects me. Um, I, this is what happens when you introduce partisan politics, which is what these three are doing, into health care. They start making outlandish accusations that have no basis, in fact, only to score cheap political points. I had a disagreement with the bookkeeper, and it's not indicative of my overall uh, value to the district. 
All right. Thank you for that. At this point, I would like to open up the phone lines. You can see that this is a hotly contested race with a lot of issues. Um, and that's why we wanted to have the candidates forum today. And I want to give you a chance to ask questions of these four candidates. Again, this is Byline Mendocino. We're using this hour for a candidates forum for the candidates from the Mendocino Coast Healthcare District Board race for the midterm elections on November 8th, which is coming up this Tuesday. So now I'm going to open up the phone lines for your questions to candidates. The number here in the studio is 707-895-2448. That's 707-895-2448. And I want to ask you to limit your question to 60 seconds. Have your question prepared in advance. Avoid making lengthy comments. No ad hominem or personal attacks will be tolerated. Questions can also be sent in via email to dj at kzyx.org and we'll give the candidates two minutes to answer each of these questions so let's start with our first caller good morning caller you're live on the air hi thank you for having this wonderful opportunity um i'm my number one concern is childbirth we do not have a um birth center we don't have a People in labor have to go over the mountain to Ukiah or to Willits, and it's just unspeakable. I'm a mother, and I have children naturally, but the emergency first responders should not be responsible for bringing in babies. And so I would like to know, what are you going to do to bring a birth center and a maternity care, prenatal and postnatal, and for the actual birthing process? That's my number one concern. Thank you. All right. Thank you, caller, for the question. We'll start with Susan Savage. Uh, let me get your mic on. There you Interesting. go. So I was um, glancing with at my colleague, um, Jade, who um, probably wants to respond to this one as well. Um, I think this is one of the really difficult questions that we're going to have to take a look at. Um, I'm concerned, as it sounds like the caller is as well, about the lack of any kind of birthing um, uh, resources, um, partly because we need to be able to attract and retain young professional couples if we're going to be able to do the staffing issues that I talked about. But then there's the dollars and cents difficulty about how do you sustain that in a rural hospital um, where the number of people having babies doesn't appear to be um, up to the level that's required in order to have that. Now, I really think this is something that, again, going back to my comment about having data-driven, clear, open, transparent, problem-solving conversations with all parts of the community, that this is one of the things we're going to have to take a look at. Because I would certainly agree that I heard somebody make a joke about having some kind of emergency facility at Chamberlain Creek for people to deliver babies because they can't make it all the way over the hill. Um, That's funny on one level, but tragic on another, that we need to figure it out. And there are, I'm going to hope a lot of different choices and options and ways that we can figure it out because probably having the traditional ongoing OBGYN service in the hospital is going to be difficult. But that doesn't mean that that's the only choice. And I think we have to do better. Okay, Jade. All right, Jade Tippett. (laughs) Well, back in 2017, when OB was on the block, I got up at a community meeting at town hall and started talking about a parcel tax to support ob 
Um, I worked on that parcel tax committee. We did get that parcel tax passed literally by three votes. It was two-thirds plus three votes. And the community gave us $144 a parcel a year. That, unfortunately, wasn't capable of saving OB. OB was running a deficit of $2 million a year. We were having two or three births a month where um, you really need 30 or 40 a month in order to have that service break even. One of the major issues here is that most of the births on the coast that came to the hospital were Medi-Cal patients. And Medi-Cal plays a flat fee for childbirth that pays for roughly half of what it costs just for the service to that one mother and child during that one birth. So there are economic issues here, and they're systemic issues. They go way beyond here. Um, OB units have been closing around the country. In fact, the first thing that closes in a rural hospital is OB, and if they don't manage to recover, then the hospital closes, and about 400 of them nationwide have closed. And so this is a systemic problem. It's not a problem just on the coast. The question becomes, and I agree, how do we deal with it on the coast? And I don't honestly have an answer. I think the community come, needs to come together and rebuild the faith in the hospital, and that could lead to more usage, more physicians arriving. Uh, we had a wonderful obstetric practice here 30 years ago. They retired. We couldn't find anybody to replace them. So it's a really complex issue, and it's one of these kind of constantly painful issues that we have to take care of because the world isn't going to take care of it for us. But at the same time, there's a lot of things that make it really hard. All right. Thank you for that. Um, next is Lee Finney. Well, um, I have to echo everything that Susan and Jade have said um, about how complicated this issue is. I was actually at, at that town hall meeting um, right before the the um, uh, hospital uh, moved to go to Ad Adventist when the intensity of the feeling in the room about preserving uh, uh, obstetrics uh, and was was huge. Um, and I remember all of the um, staff talking about the numbers and the data and how impossible it was and how it was taking the hospital down because it was so expensive and 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 um, because you have to have a fully staffed ER and and, and an obstetrician available all the time whether they're like all emergency services you kind of have to overstaff so it is a complicated issue I agree I don't know what the answer is um, I, I understand that it's something that's going to be important if we do want to attract young families um, and and we all have to look at it but but the, the, the numbers are, are, are problematic all right thank you Lee, and now we're going to hear from John Redding. Yeah, the, the numbers being discussed here are, are correct. I did an analysis, and um, Medi-Cal Medi was reimbursing us $17,000 per birth, and it cost us $70,000 per birth. And I calculated that we would need 200 births a year to break even, and we were getting... 55 and it was dwindling every year um, and we had to make a difficult decision the board that I was on the first two years it was literally the hospital 
or labor and delivery. And nobody wanted to eliminate labor and delivery. Um, but what we did was set up, um, I think, a viable arrangement whereby the emergency room staff was trained up to handle emergency birth. And there's been a couple, but not a lot. Stabilize mom and the baby and then take them over to Ukiah for care. Now, remember, we didn't even have a natal intensive care unit here on the coast. So it was kind of problematic. But the real reason, um, and people should note this, is that women were already voting with their feet to go to Ukiah. They had a much more attractive birthing center. They had 24-hour room services. The spouse could stay in the room with the the mother. Um, and, and whereas ours was 50 years old, and they didn't even have um, bathrooms in the room. So women were voting with their feet. Um, if we build a new hospital and make it more attractive than other options, then I think we can make a viable case for having labor and delivery on the coast again. But if that's if we have a, a new hospital that makes it attractive for women. And finally, I'll say we did not leave the poor women behind. The district gives a stipend to the coast clinics that they use to uh, subsidize um, mothers when they want to go to Ukiah to give delivery. Thank you. All right. Thank you for that. And thank you all for your answers. Uh, we're going to take our next question from a caller the number here in the studio is 707-895-2448 that's 707-895-2448 and we are uh hosting a candidates forum for the mendocino coast Healthcare district board with four candidates for three seats our candidates are lee finney john redding susan savage and jade tippett we're currently taking questions from callers, there was somebody calling in and they hung up. So if you want to call back, this is your chance. Otherwise, I'm going to go ahead and ask my next question. So I'm going to wait just another second. 707-895-2448. All right. Seeing none, I'm going to go ahead and ask my next question, which is, um, we'll, and we'll start with Jade on this one. Sure. Oh, there it is. Thank you, caller. You called back. Hello, caller. You're live on the air. What is your question? Hi, good morning. Thank you. My question is, is in regard to collaboration. Which candidates have reached out to Adventist Health leadership, city officials, and county officials about collaboration and needs, and who did they speak with? Okay. Candidates, do you understand the question? All right, we will start with Jade Tippett. When we started this process, one of the first things on my mind was we needed to do exactly that. We needed to reach out. So we've had conversations with Judy Leach from the hospital. We've had conversations with Ted Williams. We've had conversations with Bernie Norvell. We've had conversations with Mary-Kate McKenna from the foundation. We've had, had conversation with Dr. William Miller, and it's our intention, and it's been our intention from the beginning, and I'm using that plural deliberately because we all agreed on this, that we need to work together with the rest of the entities 
in Mendocino County, with the Board of Supervisors, with the City of Fort Bragg, with the Foundation, um, with um, the individual supervisors, and with the medical staff. Um, William Miller had this wonderful analogy he used. He said there's this three-legged stool that supports health care in the county, and one leg is Adventist with the hospital, one leg is the district, the Mendocino Coast Healthcare District, and the third leg is the Mendocino Coast Healthcare Foundation. And the foundation is going to be really key in both dealing with the housing issue and dealing with the retrofit issue because we're going to have some serious fundraising we're going to have to do. And so as I look at the situation and realize that, yes, the first thing we have to do on the broader scope is renew the confidence of the coast community and the board because we need that to go forward. The next step is going to be to bring the focus of that community to what we need to do to preserve health care on the coast. And so that's a big part of our mission. All right. Thank you. Um, let's go to Lee Finney. Um, as Jade said, when the three of us uh, began this process of, of running so, together, more or less, um, we decided that we needed to have a, a listening tour, if you will, um, and actually started with Dr. William Miller, who's the head of the medical staff, and have, ta have met with Judy Leach from, the, from Adventist, and have met with Mary-Kate McKenna from the Healthcare Foundation, and um, uh, several other people that we thought would be knowledgeable about the situation with the district and with Adventist. And, um, and we also met with Sarah Spring, who is the other incumbent on the board who will remain on the board um, and provide continuity. Um, if, if John Redding is not elected, she will, she will be that person, but she will be there not, regardless of who else is elected. So um, we, we, um, we found meeting with her very valuable in addition to the, the people that Jade has mentioned. Um, and, and we, we understand this is, a, you know, just the beginning of learning more and establishing a measure of trust with the community and all the stakeholders. All right, that was Lee Finney. Let's go to John Redding. Yeah, thank you. Um, well, the, the question was about collaboration. Um, we had a wonderful collaboration with Adventist in putting the affiliation together. Um, we both achieved all of our goals. And Bob Beeler, who was the senior um, VP for Adventist Health, who put the deal together and said it was the most rewarding experience he'd ever had. It was a complete win-win. And I'm friends with Jason Wells, who's executive now in, in Roseville and Judson Haven. We've had a great relationship over the years, and I can always call them up and, and have whenever there's been a need to clear the air. Um, I am, um, by the way, Dr. Miller and I did 12 town hall meetings together when we were trying to convince the public to uh, vote for affiliation. So that was a nice collaboration. Um, I, I get worried when I hear uh, talk about new initiatives and housing in particular. Everyone knows that housing is in short supply, and it, it does 
contribute to the decline of healthcare here on the coast. Um, that's not the district's fault. And that's, you know, that's either the Adventist's fault or just because conditions in general are that way. Um, but we need every penny that we have for a new hospital. We can't divert it into housing, which is what they're suggesting. And the lease agreement says that we can't compete with Adventist Health. So that kind of limits what we can do outside of the lease agreement. Did I run out of time, Alicia? Oh, No, you have about 10 seconds. <laughs> oh, well, okay. I'll just wrap it up that way. Okay. Um, it's an eternity of radio time. Collaboration is important, but um, sometimes you have to make the hard decisions regardless of what other people may say. Thank you. All right. Thank you. That was John Redding. And finally, Susan Savage. Okay. Um, I think, um, as Lee and Jade have said, it was um, part of our put our money where our mouth is, that if we believe in open collaboration and partnership, that we needed to get to work right away months ago actually when we started this whole process and talk to stakeholders and various people to hear their perspectives on what has been going on in the hospital and what we need to be thinking about as we ran for this board and hopefully also once we're on it but to me it's kind of interesting that I'm trying to think if there was an exception that every single person that we talked to said that they were um, all in agreement that it has been difficult to have a an effective relationship with the existing board, that they were looking forward to having responsible, responsive, effective members of the board that they could actually partner with. And I think I take exception to what was just said, that it is not helpful in our community to build silos around any of the different parts of this thing, that we have um, an important part of the conversation as we figure out all of these multiple levels of problems that all need to be addressed and certainly um, I think it's important that the resources of the district focus on how we deal with the retrofit and the facility but that doesn't mean that we can't be um, partners in conversations and that we are a voice for the public and can add that voice to how housing is affecting every single level and I don't think we are and I'm trying to remember if we've ever said anything that we're we haven't talked about spending district resources on building housing but we did find out for instance that the state of California has already begun and is building houses in Lake County and in Humboldt County that there are funds and resources out there that we need to be at the table when we're talking with the community about how we solve these problems and building a silo around the um, health care board is not helpful in that regard. All right, thank you. That was Susan Savage. Again, we are ha- we are hosting a candidates forum this morning from nine to ten this morning uh, for the candidates for the Mendocino Coast Healthcare District Board. We have four candidates for three seats on that board uh, up for election in this midterm election, which is Tuesday. Ballots are due Tuesday, uh, November eighth by eight p.m. I'm Alicia Bales. This is KZYXNZ. We have an email question for the candidates, and we're getting a little short on time, so I'm going to ask you if you can limit this answer for this question to one minute, and then uh, we will wrap up with our closing statements. All right, so in this one, we'll start with Lee Finney. Um, the question is, uh, 
what is Adventist's role in funding the retrofit, given that Adventist Health and NET had net profits of $1.5 billion in 2021? Why will it be necessary for the community to fund the hospital retrofit? Uh, The writer says we have many other needs in this community for people to contribute to. Um, it's my understanding that, oh, I mean, it is, it's not just my understanding, I think it's accurate, that the lease agreement, um, as it was negotiated at the time, um, the transfer two years ago, says that the responsibility for either building a new hospital or retrofitting the current hospital belongs with the board. That's part of the deal that we have with Adventist. Um, so, at, um, that doesn't mean that that can't be renegotiated. I mean, I said I was a professional negotiator. You know, any agreement can be renegotiated by agreement. Um, I, I think the the current situation is that Adventist does not see that they have any responsibility. I think building a better relationship with them and having them see us as a as a uh, responsible, trustworthy, collaborative partner um, that might change that. Um, I, I can't we certainly can't promise that, but it doesn't seem like that's um, that the lease agreement um, is inevitable. Um, right now, though, uh, Adventist does not have any responsibility for retrofitting or rebuilding. All right, let's go to John Redding. Yeah, the um, as, as you may know, the Willits Hospital, the new one, um was financed four million dollars from the public and the rest was by uh, adventist help but they did so after being in that community for 10 years and convincing themselves that they could sustain the hospital financially they have told me and they've made it clear in other forms they don't see that potential here on the coast and they are not going to commit one penny building a new hospital here but it doesn't have anything to do with the lease agreement or how they view one board or another it's a business decision for them and they've made it perfectly clear that they will not contribute one penny but we do have the financial wherewithal to build the new hospital or retrofit them that's perfectly clear i prepared a, a paper um put it up on our website and shared it with people that shows just how that can be done um so anyway all right thank you john redding susan savage okay well um i think this is definitely a really important thing to take a look at because at least it's my understanding i agree with lee that we cannot anticipate that adventist is going to step up and build the hospital that they're already paying substantial lease payments i think um the to comment on on the what john just said though i think that's part of the problem is that there has not been clear defendable financial statements that we could rely on to make those decisions even the document that john is just referring to and if he would like to comment on this i'm welcome to hear that where he used an estimate of um, way less than it actually costs per bed to build a hospital 
every um, thing that I have seen, including talking to people um, who were around when the Willis Hospital was built, I have said it's more like $5 million per bed, not the figure that John was using. So I think that that's part of the homework that we need to do, and that all of us together are going to have to come together to get the resources to do the retrofit and the and or build a hospital and we need reliable numbers in order to figure out what needs doing all right thank you susan savage and finally jay Tippett. when adventist was negotiating with the hospital board as it was then they made it very very clear that they were looking to the community for the future of this hospital not only for the issues of the retrofit, but also for the issues of financial sustainability. At this point, they're losing money in operations. They're paying roughly $2 million a year in um, lease payments. John's numbers had them paying $3 million a year in lease payments, and they, that was contingent in the lease on the hospital being profitable in excess of what they're paying in lease payments. So the numbers don't work as they are right now, as, as he presented, but the issue is bigger than that because it has to do, again, with this issue of community trust and what the community brings to the table. The, there's two issues here. One is the cost of building. The other is sustainability. And how do we sustain a hospital? Willits was built on Bill Bowen's um, practice. All right, that is going to do it for the... Can I respond, please? They Uh, mentioned me twice. We have nine minutes left, so can you keep it to one minute in your rebuttal? And then we're going to do closing statements. Those numbers are uh, planned. $4 million was the number I was given by an architect engineer, not just somebody off the street who said, well, it's $5 million. And in my plan, I use $3 million as a lease agreement that would be um, uh, for a new hospital. So the claim that those numbers are unreliable really shows that they don't know how to read um, financial documents. All right. Thank you. Um, okay, now we're going to finish up with closing statements. The closing statements are going to be a minute each. An hour is a very short time for a candidate state for a candidate forum, but I'm very happy that you all came in to KZYX and joined via Zoom to let the listeners and voters uh, have a chance to understand a little bit more about what's at stake in this race and why this is an important race and why it matters. Uh, and of course, the Mendocino Coast Healthcare District is from Westport to Elk. So if you have this, if you live in that in that area, you will have this race on your ballot. So um, the four candidates are Lee Finney, John Redding, Susan Savage, and Jade Tippett. We're going to hear in reverse alphabetical order now for one minute closing statements. And um, please do remember to vote. We're going to start with Jade Tippett for one minute. This hour does go fast, Leisha. I want to thank you for bringing us to Philo to do this this morning. Um, there's a couple of things here. One, I want to tell you where we are on the ballot. We're going to be on the back of your ballot at the bottom of the first column. And I'm going to say this in favor to my partners on either side here. Um, skip the first two candidates and vote for the next three. The issue going forward is whether we have 
health care, whether we have a hospital on the coast. And I spent time as an EMT in Laytonville and in the East Coast, both in rural communities. I understand the danger of not having accurate and adequate emergency care locally. There's this golden hour. And burning the golden hour in transportation, I can tell you from very personal experience, can lead to delivering unsurvivable victims. So we need that hospital here. Thank you. All right. Thank you. That was Jade Tippett. Let's go to Lee Finney. No, backwards. Susan Savage. (laughs) Okay. um, I really, again, want to also echo the thanks to KCYX for hosting us and um, having a community conversation about probably, for me, one of the most significant things on the ballot that you're going to be taking a look at and hopefully getting your vote in by Tuesday. I think that this conversation has probably made it pretty clear that there is a difference between continuing, as one person said, continuity with the existing board and voting for a reset. And we're going to encourage people that we really need to reset this whole scenario so that we have new, effective, collaborative, articulate, data-driven decision-makers who are going to be hopefully helping the community to address some pretty um, daunting tasks in terms of the retrofit of the facility, dealing with our staffing shortages and dealing with all of the factors that that contribute to those staffing shortages. So I'm going to encourage you um, to join us and vote for all three of us, for Jade Tippett and Lee Finney and myself, Susan Savage, if you're interested in that kind of a community reset. Thank you. All right. Thank you, Susan Savage. John Redding, as the incumbent, your closing statement. Sure. Um, This talk of of reset is um, throwing the baby out with the bathwater. There's no time to completely reset the board. There has to be some continuity in order to achieve the challenges that face this board. Now, previous boards have had doctors, nurses, lawyers, business people. Never before has a political party attempted to seize control of a nonpartisan healthcare district, and they're doing it proudly. That's what this election means to me, keeping partisan politics out of healthcare. Second concern I have with this election is fiscal responsibility. They proposed and argued for spending district money on housing or other things. I can tell you, we need every last penny, every last penny to build a new hospital retrofit the one that we have. And lastly, I'm very concerned, despite the, the protestations otherwise, that the Democratic Party, which is suffering from a very damaged brand, if you ask me, We'll move sometime after the election to dissolve the district. It will be argued, yeah, the challenges are too hard to overcome. Although my opponents, I'm going to say, never support this solution. Political promises, as we all know, are cheap. I think they ultimately come under pressure from the very people who recruited, endorsed, and support them. All right, your time is up. Thank you, John. And finally, Lee Finney. Well, I guess it, it, the task falls to me to rebut what John said. This is, this is a nonpartisan race. We are not running as Democrats. The fact John is taking the fact that we've been endorsed by uh, both supervisors on the coast, Ted Williams, and um, Dan. Dan. Oh, sorry, Dan <laughs> Jurdy. God, I have a senior moment. Excuse me. And sorry, Dan. And um, but also by Bernie Nervell, who's not a Democrat. Um, 
it's clearly not an attempt to take over the board. We believe that there needs to be a complete reset, as we've said, with trustworthy partners um, for the future. I believe that I bring the skills necessary to see that there is quality, sustainable health care into the future. And that's what the three of us want. And that's why we're running. We have absolutely no intention of thinking about dissolving the board. That is a fabrication made up out of whole cloth. So um, I hope you, no one will take that seriously and will consider that um, uh, Susan and Jade and I are, are, are the best candidates to bring about the effective future. All right. That was candidate Lee Finney. Thank you all so much for coming in and for being available this morning to talk with voters. I'm Alicia Bales. You've just heard a candidates forum for the four candidates for the Mendocino Healthcare District Board. Of course, the ballots uh, are due Tuesday, November 8th. That is election day for the midterm elections. You can fill out your ballots and return them via mail, county ballot drop box, or in person to the elections office by 8 o'clock Tuesday night and whoever you vote for the most important thing is that you vote this is kzyx and z you've just heard byline mendocino i'll be back in two weeks next week it's joy leclaire and forthright radio thank you so much for listening stay tuned now for the wondrous world of music with this week's host dr philip lenberg If you enjoyed this podcast, you can go to kzyx.org to find more shows and content like this one. While there, you can stream us live or check out our jukebox. And if you like what you hear, consider donating by clicking the red donate button in the upper right corner. We are Mendocino County Public Broadcasting, listener-supported community radio. KZYX, Philo, 90.7 FM, KZYZ, Woolets and Ukiah, 91.5 FM, and Fort Bragg at 88.1 FM. Thanks for listening. By chance his girlfriend came across a needle and soon she